But we're, we're doing this series through Advent, which um, th- th- it's called The Invitation with a bunch of other vineyard churches. And, and the idea about this is, uh, is looking during Advent at what it means to say yes to the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to say yes to the Holy Spirit? How does Advent even um, touch that? How does it even approach that? And so I want to start out. I have a video to start out with. They call this a bumper. Those of you who are in uh, into those things, this is a bumper video. It just it just keeps going downhill, man. (laughs) I was hip. I was hip in like September, and it just keeps going downhill. So uh, take a look at this video, and then, uh, and then we'll get started, okay? What if you said yes to the Holy Spirit today? You were made for a life of wild adventure. A spirit-filled, spirit-powered life. But sometimes we feel hopeless powerless to help in an overwhelming world with so much need all around us. We wonder if God can really use us. Aren't Christians called to live like Jesus, doing what we see the Father doing? Isn't being a Christian about doing what Jesus did? Isn't being a Christian about having the Holy Spirit in us, doing great things through us in powerful ways? If those are the questions you're asking, You're in good company. We are a movement of people saying yes to God, welcoming the Holy Spirit to use us at any moment, in any place, no matter who we are or where we've come from. And we have thousands of stories of ordinary people being used by an extraordinary God in the places we work, play, and live. Heal the sick, Pray for the lonely, set captives free, have faith that moves mountains. We get to do it all, every day, if we're willing to say yes to the Holy Spirit. God can use you at home, at work, at school, in the grocery store, riding a taxi, or talking to our neighbor. Wherever we find ourselves, God is there waiting for us to say yes, Holy Spirit. Yes to whatever you want to do through me. And when we say yes, things change, and we change too. Say yes to the Holy Spirit changing you. Say yes to the Holy Spirit helping you to see others in need. Say yes to the Holy Spirit using you in your family, your neighborhood, your place of study or work, your city, and around the world. Life with the Spirit can be a wild ride. It can be a bigger adventure than we had planned for our lives, but it's worth it. You can live an exciting life led by the Spirit. You can be an empowered follower of Jesus who takes risks and has miraculous adventures with God. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Be changed. Be available. Be ready for what God will do. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Does that work now? Oh, it does. Cool. That was a fun video, right? So 
today, as we kind of like begin looking at this with the, with the group, the size that we have, I'm going to do something different. I like doing different things. Uh, but we have like just the right amount of people to make this more interactive. Isn't that cool? So I, I want to just sort of set this up a little bit. Uh, when we talk about Advent, I mean, most, most of you would say, well, oh, of course, it's like hope and peace and joy. If you ever have one of those Advent wreaths, right? You know, anybody ever do that? The Advent, you know, like light the candle and do the thing. Anybody do that? And, and my favorite part was playing with the fire, lighting the candle. I think that's where my kid gets it. Um, but, but like, you know, it's hope and peace and joy and love. And, right, these are the things that we think about when we think about Advent. But I, I sort of want to begin today, and I want to look at hope, like this idea of hope. And I, I want to begin by just asking the question, what do you hope for? Like, what is it that you hope for? Like, when you think about your life, when you think about sort of the way that your, uh, your life works, what do you hope for? I, I, uh, I wonder how many of you have a, a hope muscle that has atrophied. This ability that, or, or a lack of ability to actually hope for things. When, we, uh, when Jerry and I were, were planning uh, to move here to plant this church, and we were like, what is the need of Altoona? Like, what is the thing? And we prayed about it, and we're sitting at Panera Bread, and, like, just looking, like, pouring over, like, demographics and history. And, and, and the thing that we landed on was this is a city that has lost its hope. I don't know if you've looked at the, the, the trends. Like, so Altoona started in 1849, right? Matt can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, 1849, Altoona started, right? So for the first 70, 90 years, the population of Altoona grew. In the 1912, 1911, 1912, there's a document that basically uh, says there, that this will be a, a city where of boundless growth, that it just would never stop. In the 1930s, the city had 88,000 people in it in the census. It was booming. And then something happened in the 1930s, mainly, uh, you know, locomotives got a little bit better, electronic, or electronic, electric locomotives, and um, uh, I'm drawing a blank at the moment, steam was the old ones. Anyway, electric, and there was another one, and I'm drawing a blank. But uh, all of this came really, really fast. This technology changed really, really fast. And Altoona used to be the place where they built all these engines. And now they had to outsource it to someplace else in order to keep up with technology. And so jobs started to kind of go away. And we went from 88,000 people to, you know, nine years ago in the census. Granted, that's nine years ago. It was 46,000 people, just over 46,000 people. It was a city on the rise that lost its purpose and lost hope. And as decline happened, we ceased to be able to see what was coming. We ceased to be able to hope for a better day. I wonder how many of you, when you think about your life, you've lost this ability to hope. To think that there's a better day to come. I mean, think about it for just a minute. Like, what do you hope for? There's a, there's a like, this is, a, this is something that that we talk about, right? Like, I hope this happens, right? Like, I hope, my kids hope they get presents for Christmas, right? What do you hope for? 
I mean, commonly we use this word hope for wish, right? Man, I hope this works out in my favor. But it's sort of like, uh, but I'm not really sure that it will. I hope, I hope, I hope. And usually what we mean is, I wish, I wish. But biblically, hope is a confident expectation that God will do what he has promised. This is what we mean when we say hope. It's an expectation, confident expectation that God will do what he has promised. And Advent, we would say, is a season of hope. For those of you who don't know, the word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, and basically it means arrival. And every year in the church, we take this season of Advent to remember that Christ has come. We look back and we say, Christ has come. And we look with anticipation, yes, he will come again. This is what we do every Advent, is we remember that as, as Christ has come in the past, that we can trust, we can put hope for the future, that he will come. His promise is good. And Israel's story really bears this out. Like, I don't know if you've, if you've ever thought about it, but if you read through the Old Testament, you get all this stuff happening, and at the very end, of the, all through the Old Testament, the, the, the writers continue to say, but there will come a Messiah. There will come one who will save us. And Israel is constantly under oppression, right? Like somebody's overtaking them and somebody's running them out of town and, you know, exile, you know, the, the little thing of exile. They keep taking people out of town and they finally get back, but they come back and they're under occupation and we're not free to actually serve God the way we want to. And all through the Old Testament, it waits for this climax where Israel will be free to worship again that God's presence will dwell among his people and that we will be free again. And you get to the end of the Old Testament and it doesn't happen. I don't know if you've ever read through the Old Testament. You get through the end of Old, the Old Testament and Israel is still a nation in bondage with seemingly no hope. And that doesn't go on for a couple of years. It goes on for 400 years years. The end of the Old Testament is 400 years before the New Testament is written. And no prophet comes to say, keep hope alive. No prophet comes to say, it's going to happen. Can you imagine? I mean, we talk about, we were just back there talking about the, the communion meal and how it really relates back to the Passover Seder. Uh, which is this, this anticipatory meal. We remember that, that we, were, we, we were people of the Exodus and we look forward to Messiah will come. And for 400 years, we do this year in and year out. And there's a part in the Passover Seder where we go and we open the door and we say, maybe Messiah has come now. And we look out, or Elijah is going to come. That's, the, that's the, what we're waiting for. Maybe Elijah has come. We look out, and we close the door, and we say, maybe next year. For 400 years. I mean, think about the history of this country, right? We're, we're nearly 250 years old. Some would say some of the, the glimmer and the sort of the shine is wearing off 250 years into this nation's existence. Can you imagine 150 years from now still holding on? to the promise. Can you imagine the desperation 
And we get to this guy. If you look at, at Luke, you can turn to Luke 2. Let me just read verse 25 and 26. This is in the temple. Jesus is going to be presented as, uh, you know, as eight days, and, and, and they'll circumcise him and all that stuff. Uh, and, it, and here's what it says. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And there's a struggle of hope. There's always a struggle of hope, isn't there? Can you imagine being Simeon and, and the, the Lord speaks to you after 400 years and says, you're not going to die before you see the Lord's Messiah. What are you going to do with that word? I mean, some of us have experienced God giving us a word for someone else. And sometimes it's a little bit scary, right? Like, what if they think I'm a goon? Like, what if they think that this is the dumbest thing ever? I'm going to go up to this person and I'm going to say, hey, guy, uh, Sometimes God tells me things, which is a weird phrase anyway. You should try it. It's, people look at you like, really? You should belong in the mental institution. But can you imagine? Like, it, it's just weird, right, to go up to somebody and say, God has spoken this to me, and I'm going to live as if it's true. I'm going to live in confident expectation that the word of the Lord is good. And so Simeon gets this word from the Lord that you're not going to die until you have seen the Messiah. And there's a struggle of hope, isn't there? Can you imagine what that word felt like? Like, man, I don't know. Is this just me? Am I just hoping this is going to happen? Is this like me making this up? All these things that we struggle with, anytime you've ever had God speak a word to you, am I just making this up? Am I the weird one? Is this something, is this really God? How do I know? Do you think Simeon is like, I just know, I just know it's God. I mean, as I read this, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, is it like afterwards? He's like, oh, by the way, just wanted you all to know, I saw Jesus and now we're writing this story down. I just want you all to know that God spoke this to me before. Right? Do you understand just how, how hopeless this must have felt, and yet you won't die? What does hope look like that's delayed? What does hope look like in the fear of hopelessness? I mean, some of us are living in this place right now where there's something that you want to hope for, and you have fear to hope for it. Anybody have that? You have fear to hope for it because to hope might mean that it wouldn't happen. And I don't know if I could bear that. There's biblical precedent for you. Can you imagine the struggle? Yes, you can imagine the struggle of hope. So what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? I've already said this, but can you imagine getting the word that you're going to see the Messiah? 
after 400 years? I don't know that I would be able to hope for that. And maybe you would. What I want to do is I want to, to, can we like, these would be big groups, okay? This side and this side, two groups. I want you guys to get a Bible. Actually, you'll probably need more than one Bible. There's got plenty. Crowd participation. I don't know how you're going to get real close to each other, but I want you to do that. I mean, just pick the chairs up and turn them into a circle. All right, this side, here's your passage. You ready for this? This side, Romans 5, 1 to 5. You got that? You guys over here, Romans 5, 1 to 5. This side, you guys ready? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. So here's what I want you guys to look for as you read this. And I want you, you know, take, take a handful of minutes, have a little discussion about it. But I want you to look for what does the Holy Spirit have to do with hope? Okay? And then we'll reconvene. And go. Okay, so this is from Jeff's phone. This is the Passion Version. The Passion Translation. That's what TPT is the Passion Translation. So this is Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He has given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory of and honor of God. So we were just talking about how when God speaks about hope in scripture, he speaks about what's coming, but he also reminds us about what God has already done as a reminder that God keeps his promises. And so for generations and generations, God was promising this Holy Spirit. Um, and now we have the privilege of being able to have the Holy Spirit and dwell inside of us, which believers for hundreds and hundreds of years were never able to have. So the fact that we have that and we have this Holy Spirit indwelling in us from the moment we choose to believe in Jesus, um, if God did that and fulfilled that, and this Holy Spirit is now indwelling in us, then that gives us reason to hope that what God continues to promise his people is still going to happen. Um, yeah. Megan, you want to go? Cool. Here you go. All right. You did Romans 5, 1 through 5. Right? Yep. All right. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> All right. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace 
with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Um, Okay, this is going to be a little fragmented, but... uh, so we first said that, you know, God loves us. So, and like that's our hope. When we're hopeless, we have His love. <laughs> but um, kind of deeper than that, um, we we're kind of saying that we are gonna. We're like kind of made to be helpless and go through disappointments and hopeless because that's just the state of us as humans. So um, we need that. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm like forgetting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, I, I didn't really finish, but um, <laughs> I was like, I think I, I still... <laughs> I still have some more thoughts in my head. Okay. Um, yes. What did I say? Okay. okay. So we're helpless, and with experiencing helplessness, we can, like, truly see the hope of God and God's I guess something I said was, um, what did I say? (laughs) So there's two kinds of hope. Um, You know, we hope for like those little things and, um, but we're gonna experience disappointment. And, but that's okay because God has this greater thing that we're hoping for. And in that passage, in those little disappointments, we, we like grow better for it, or we grow with it. So it's like how the Holy Spirit, um, we have freedom to be hopeless because the whole, because of the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, it's okay. What else? <laughs> That's good, guys. Uh, as I, I kind of wind this to uh, to pray, I want to draw your attention to something in the original passage. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
And you guys are all touching on this idea that hope is really a gift of the Holy Spirit. I think in a city where, where a lot of times we struggle to hope, and I think, my opinion, in the last, I mean, we can't claim this. The whole of the church has been part of doing this. But in the last five years, I would say that hope has increased in the city. I think we as a people are a more hopeful people. But hope is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That we don't have to sort of go, well, my hope muscles just kind of, it's just kind of atrophied and I just need to somehow figure out how to muster enough hope. But it's that a gift that God will give to us. How do you hope in the face of 400 years of waiting that this word that you got, that you'll see the Messiah, is actually true? How do you hope for the day when all things will be made right, when the sickness will be gone, when the loved one that you lost will be returned, when, when everything that you used to know will be made right again, every disappointment will be made right again? How do you hope for that day? It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. That what these two passages are pointing towards is this idea that one day when Jesus returns, all things will be made right again. And yet we have the Holy Spirit now, now to get a taste of that in the future. That we taste now what will be in the future. This is why we, this whole idea of praying for healing, right? It's, some people are like, I've done it and I've never seen it work. Some people are like, I don't know if I believe it. When Jesus returns, there will be no sickness. We have the Holy Spirit now as a foretaste, as in Ephesians it says, as a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance to come. That wellness and wholeness and freedom is what is to come. And so now in the Holy Spirit, we taste bits of that. We see freedom. We see deliverance. We cast out demons and they go. We pray for healing and we don't see it every time, but we see more of it than when we don't pray. Right? I think Betty was hitting right on it. It's this already and not yet. There's already part of the kingdom here now. The Holy Spirit allows us to hope because we see bits of the kingdom breaking in now. And one day, the fullness of the kingdom will come. That's what we are talking about in Advent. That we remember that Jesus has come, that his word is good, that we can put our trust in his word. And because he says he'll come again, we can hope for that. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do so. So as we kind of move into a time of prayer, I feel like here's what, like everybody's going to pray for everybody. So there's no prayer team up here. You guys are it. Um, here's what I want to do. Some of us, if you would say, I, like, I, I have a hard time with hope. Like, you know, I just don't like to be disappointed. And so I don't really want to get my hopes up. I know we've talked about this a number of times. I don't want to get my hopes up. And so hope for me is a challenge. What I want us to do is pray for you, that the Holy Spirit would release hope for you, that maybe the ways that you've lived your life, that you would say, well, this is all it'll ever be. This is all it can be, and maybe Jesus will make it right someday, but like, this is all my life is. I'm in the same rut. I'm in the same patterns. I'm in the same struggles. I'm in the same issues. I want us to pray for you, that the Holy Spirit would release hope for you, okay? Okay?
So, I mean, you guys can do your same groups if that's cool. Is there a number of you, or is that a number of you that would like prayer for that? Hope? Yeah. 